Welcome to Proclaiming Justice, a podcast from PJTN that focuses the light of truth on vital issues in today's headlines that impact every American. I'm your host, Laurie Cardoza-Moore, founder and president of Proclaiming Justice to the Nations, and I'm here to educate, motivate, and activate you to action. I want to arm you with the truth and the facts you'll need to fight and preserve our constitutional republic and uphold the Judeo-Christian values our nation was founded upon. Welcome to Proclaiming Justice, a PJTN podcast, and I'm your host, Laurie Cardoza-Moore. If you missed the last episode of this podcast, you will find it and our previous podcast lineup on our website at pjtn.org, as well as all the other platforms that you use to access your favorite podcasts. On this week's podcast, I have invited Robert Taft back to Proclaiming Justice to update our watchmen about what is going on in Israel since the barbaric attacks on Israel were launched on October 7th. I also want to remind our audience that as a PJTN Watchman, it's our biblical duty to listen and share this and all of our previous podcasts with your family and friends so that they can take action against the issues that threaten our republic and the state of Israel. So please remember to like and share. As it goes with Israel, so shall it go with America. Robert, it's great to have you back. Thank you so much for joining us on Proclaiming Justice today. Thank you, Lori. It's always nice to to be on your show, and I appreciate the invitation. Oh, absolutely. You are a wealth of information, and I have to tell you that people, our listeners, our watchmen, enjoy hearing from you. In fact, um, we did our webinar earlier this week or last week, I should say, and we got a lot of great responses from the participants. They heard information they have not heard before about the issues that we're going to be talking about. And I know we, um, we, we, we covered the issue of the war in Gaza last week, what is going on, and we were going to focus a little bit more of our attention on education and the players in education that are indoctrinating our children. So, Robert, I'm going to go ahead and turn the floor over to you. Well, l- let me uh, let me go through a couple of things that might generate some some questions on your part and, and your listeners' part. I I I've been investigating um, this whole realm of um, of what we're doing internally in education. And I've come up with some some very uh, disturbing um, information that I think everyone should understand. And it, it kind of lays a basis of why we have all this foreign influence um, from overseas as well. Um, it was a fairly recent study done that looked at um, states with Democrat legislatures and Republican legislatures. And what they found was that the Democrats in states uh, particularly that are, um, let's say, let's say have the highest unemployment and poverty rates. Uh Okay. You would think that those states would spend more on, um, uh, on education. um, But the reverse is the case. They spend less on K through 12 education. These are Democrat legislatures where they mm-hmm. find it. 
and they spend more on um, on higher education in colleges and the like. And the reason that they do that is that the Democrats for years now have been trying to dummy down uh, the student bodies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we've I've talked about this with you um, several times in the past and whatever. Right. Common Core has been one of the culprits historically in helping to dumb down. Right. Well, it's the it it actually it was a federal state partnership back in the mid 60s that actually generated this scientific uh, social engineering where the whole idea was it was a very progressive um, move in education. And ironically, it started two years after we passed the Higher Education Act, which at that time um, allowed these foreign influences into our education system. Mm -hmm. And so that was not by accident. The two happened. The idea was to dummy down um, the U.S. population, especially the emerging generations, and in so doing, um, infiltrate our school systems with foreign influences. Well, the two foreign influences that did the most damage um, starting um, um, in 1962, actually, uh, were the uh, the Muslim Brotherhood countries. And we've talked about how much money um, they've given to uh, to our school system and what they've actually done to our school system. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you t- you take what the Democrats are doing in terms of spending less money on education, um, particularly in states that need it the most, and you uh, lay on top of that um, the Islamic um, um, donations and propaganda. Mm-hmm. Um, and as, as I, I mentioned, I think uh, last week, um, they had spent since 1986, they had spent 8.5 um, billion dollars on our education system, infiltrating mm-hmm. the education system. Uh, using it for propaganda purposes, making the United States and Israel look like the uh, oppressors mm-hmm. and um, everyone else in the Middle East being the oppressed. Yeah. So let me ask you this, Robert, just for clarification, that $8.5 billion? Yes. Okay. Was that spent K through 12 or K through 20 or just higher ed? No, that was just that wasn't just higher ed. That was Ivy League higher mm. ed. Just on those schools. Mm. And if you look at the endowments of those schools since Joe Biden has uh, become president, um their endowments have gone up by 32%. Mm. Now we're talking Harvard Harvard's endowments are, are out of sight. I mean, they've got more money than God does. And um, it's it's uh, it's amazing. But the but the higher the education, this is where the global elites are being trained. This is where they go to school. This is where they come out and 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 speak what they have to say. Mm -hmm. Um, This is where the money is being poured into not only by the Islamists, but starting in 2006, 
the Chinese jumped on board and said, gee, the, uh, the Islamists have a really good thing going. We're going to do the same thing. Hmm. So they jumped on to, to a merry-go-round, which was already looking very left. It was already, already had in mind the, the dumbing down of, of our students. And you, you lay on this foreign influence Mm-hmm. And you talk about indoctrination. This is indoctrination big time. Mm-hmm. And if you go back to the core of what drove um, both the Islamists and the Chinese, it was all about the the uh, oppressed mm-hmm. person versus um, um, those who oppress the oppressed. Mm-hmm. And uh, consequently, China, even though it's the second largest economy in the world now, is still claiming itself as a third world country and should be treated as a third world country because they are, quote unquote, uh, oppressed. Mm. Oh, and that's why when you see things like um, um, this talk about reparations for um the Southern Hemisphere countries, because of the pollution that uh, that Europe and the United States is, has has done, um, is all generated by, oddly enough, the Chinese. <laughs> and the Chinese are working with the United Nations to put the pressure on the United States and Europe to give reparations to these countries, which, quite frankly, now are generating all of the. Um, um, oil and gas, uh, minerals. Um, it's, it's all coming from these countries. These countries are getting rich because of it. And who are they selling it to? They're selling it to Europe and the United States. So um, th- they're really trying to take down us economically um, as well as culturally. And it's a very well planned, um, planned operation. Um, the uh, when Trump came in, one of the things that he opposed and, and looked into were these Confucius centers by the Chinese. The Chinese at the time had 114 of these Confucius centers in colleges and universities around the country. And because of all the uh, they were labeled as CCP missions um, that were spreading propaganda, influence, and whatever, not only in our classrooms, but throughout our society. So Trump was in the process of getting rid of those. So he leaves office two days. Two days after he got into office, Joe Biden canceled uh, Trump's um, cancellation of the Chinese Confucius Centers. Mm. Wow. But what but what they did in the process was that the Confucius centers actually dropped from 114 to I think we have about a dozen left at this stage. And you say, well, you know, they've they've gotten rid of these. But what they did is these universities started working with the K through 12 uh, school systems in their states. And now we have 500 um, American classrooms in 143 districts around the country that, in fact, are benefiting from Confucius centers. Wow, which is where we see in the textbooks 
and some of the instructional materials as it pertains to China, how, um, you know, China is portrayed in such a positive manner. Absolutely. It's, it's not surprising now. And of course, this is, how is China, how are, how are these Confucius centers working with curriculum or, or, you know, because Pearson publishers, these publishers are espousing these values, these pro-China values in the textbooks. Are they working in collaboration together? Oh, absolutely. The, uh, um, as I think I went into uh, last week um, with our, our group, uh, this whole globalist movement is to marginalize the United States. And the four actors, the, the Chinese, um, the Islamists, um, the globalists, um, are, are all part of the same, the same group. Um, if you look at some of the main actors, and I'll, I'll name some of the main actors here, you have probably, if I were going to take one person and put it at the top of a heap, it would be George Soros. Um, Soros, uh, as you know, is a huge globalist. Um, he's, he's been involved in, uh, American politics since 2005. Mm -hmm. Um, he has totally, um, bought off the Democrat party and, um, he works hand in glove with universities, um, he gives them money. He he supports them in all kinds of ways. I'd like to just, I, I also want to note, Robert, for our audience, that Soros has also been involved in the chaos in Israel. And we know that Soros has been funding these protests against the judicial reform that the prime minister of Israel has been trying to push. So Soros is not only dabbling in the United States, but he's also dabbling in Israel to, dr to bring down the two greatest superpowers in the world, Israel and the United States of America. Well, and, and he's, he's been doing that. I mean, uh, if you look at his history, he was over in Malaysia and he, he almost, he, he almost single-handedly generated the Asian, uh, um, debt crisis problem back in the late 1990s. Then he went to Great Britain where he, he did a, um, he did basically an, an old Rothschild um, uh, deal on, uh, uh, on the banks and almost, um, almost went London or made uh, London and the Bank of England go belly up. Then he comes over here to the United States to get away from those two powers that, that literally could have thrown him in jail for the rest of his life. And he's been here now for, for uh, going on 30 years and nobody's laid a glove on him. In fact, um, uh, you know, they bow and scrape to him every time he walks into a room and he's responsible for the, you know, these uh, attorney generals who, who let uh, prisoners out of, out of jail mm -hmm. Um, right. He's responsible for a lot of the NGO funding down on the border that's allowing all of these who knows who into the mm -hmm. country. Um, and so Soros is very much involved in this, but he's he's been involved 
with education for quite some time. When, um, when Obama was in power, they worked out a deal where George Soros um, funded a program, and, and I can't think of the name of it off the top of my head right now. I can get, get back to you on that. But he funded a program that, that Obama embraced. And basically what it was, was to, 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 uh, to get um, the kids um, from preschool up to about um, six or seven years old, um, keep them all day, feed them, give them medical support, all of this, with the idea in mind that parents, both parents were going to have to work for the rest of their lives two jobs at least because the economy under Obama was so bad. It was never going to get any better. Mm -hmm. This was the mentality. And George Soros was pushing that the idea being that, um, that children, um, that the family would be destroyed and the the children would become wards of the state. Mm -hmm. And that was exactly, that was, that's exactly the kind of package that they were doing. Well, what did Obama do? Um, after um, this uh, education initiative between him and George Soros, Obama turns around, uh, gets together with uh, the Guitar Foundation. They get together with Pearson and company, and they develop Common Core, Mm -hmm. um, the new version of Common Core. So Mm -hmm. if you look at it, from the time these kids are preschool. You know, not even four years old. I mean, we're talking two, three years old with kids. Um, from that time all the way through the 12th grade, they were getting bombarded by a combination of um, uh, state-run um, um, education and mm-hmm. feeding and everything else. And um, Islam, Islam is wonderful and... Uh, better than Christianity and Judaism. Uh-huh. And, um, and uh, we should all love uh, the Middle East um, and hate the United States and Israel because they are the oppressors. Um, right, right. The oppress. So, I mean, the whole thing ties in like this. And when China and, and Islam came into the mix, they saw that this was their way of making progress was to go in because the United States at this time had gotten so much into identity politics mm-hmm. that that the next step was to take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. Um, when when uh, the Muslim Brotherhood was here from, uh, from before 9-11 and after 9-11, all the way up to the current time, they've worked on what they call information dominance. And information dominance is is basically this whole idea that the perpetrator is the victim and mm-hmm. uh, and the victim is the perpetrator. Mm-hmm. And that's how they they make this switch between who's the oppressed and who's the oppressor. Mm-hmm. So it's it's all tied in. China jumped on board in 2006 and they use the same kind of approach of. Uh, both both groups, the Islamists and the Chinese, pour tons of money into the American educational system. Mm-hmm. And and who's running the educational system? The Democrats 
And who are the Democrats? They're the new Marxist party in the United mm -hmm. States. Right. So right. when we look at this whole thing, it's all integrated. They're talking amongst each other. The teachers unions are working hand in glove with Soros and company. And, and, and both of them are tied into what the Islamists are doing and the Chinese are doing. It's all very, very deliberate. Yeah, I want to just mention also, just to confirm and affirm what you've just said, especially about education and getting to our children at the very youngest of age. We have, I've sat in state um, education hearings in the legislature in Tennessee, and I've listened to testimonials from the Department of Education in Tennessee from our commissioner about opening up the schools earlier and earlier starting at pre-K and even talking about, you know, um, uh, six weeks after the babies are born, having child care centers in the school system so that these kids are run or educated through or by the government from the very earliest of age to condition them so that these kids will, will think that this, they'll grow up in this environment and think that this is normal. This is not normal. We, our children spend way too much time in the, the classroom. It needs to be like it was back in the day. We were, you know, we would get up and be in school and class at 730 in the morning. But of course, that was if you were in kindergarten or in first grade and even the higher grades. But you were out of school by 230. We have lost the ability to understand and parents look at it and say, oh, well, this is a plus for me because I've got daycare covered. You know, I can work. But what it has done is a huge disservice to our children. We're conditioning our children to rely upon the government to educate us, to provide for us. And this, is, this has got to stop. We've got to start forcing our our school times the day our school days back to the way they used to be and not to have them under you know even at at all practical practically birth have them in the the education system within our states it just cannot happen well if you look at how it has happened as, as i said earlier it's, it's a very deliberate move but in order for it to exist, in order for these kids to be taken at the age of two and three and all these child care centers and, and, and all this, um, the economy has to be lousy. Hmm. It has to force these, these um, families right. to have both the mother and the father working which automatically puts them in a position, what am I gonna do with my kids? And so they put these kids in that situation. So it's it's if you look at what Obama did to the to the um, um, to the economy, and you look at what what Biden is doing to the economy, they're making it very very difficult. Inflation's high, and the consequence of all that is that these parents have to go out and work two jobs. And when right. they work two jobs, they give their kids to the state. Yep. And it's all it's all part of a plan. It's you know, this is this is not by accident. It's a very deliberate move. And um, 
I think people need to understand um, how deliberate this thing is. Um, because if our economy were booming like it did under Trump, you don't need both people working. You know, right. and even even look what we did under COVID. When COVID came in uh, and kids were left home to, to be remotely uh, learned, um, I saw parents um, quitting their jobs to be home with their kids to make sure their kids behave and, and mm -hmm. didn't work. So again, it's this whole pressure to um, to get the parents, you know, out of the house and and um, and into a couple of different jobs. Once that mm -hmm. happens, and and Biden, like he's coming in right now, and he's saying, oh, you know, we're going to have this supplemental for for um, child care and all of this other stuff. He's hoping to get votes that people buy into this. And basically what they're doing by buying into it is that they're hurting their kids. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so yeah, the kids, become, the kids be, become very susceptible to things like critical race theory, mm -hmm. transgenderism, grooming, all of these terrible things that are being hoisted upon these kids are being done so um, mm -hmm. because of this arrangement. Yeah. Yeah, this is and this is what's destroying our country. It's destroying the family. Oh, it's just destroying the future of the republic. So tell me, um, Rob, we've got the we've got the inf infiltration of the Chinese, and how can parents or taxpaying citizens determine if the, there is? a Confucius Center influence in their community? Because we're our big push is to get parents and citizens engaged in taking back local control of their children's education by focusing on school boards and flipping them to put people who, are, who share our Judeo-Christian um, values. How do, what do we look for? What do parents look for to determine if there is a Confucius school in their local school district or their children's classrooms. Well, I know there's a, um, I know they exist in 143 uh, school districts around the country. Okay. Um, I don't know what, which, which districts are, are involved in that. There's probably a list somewhere. Um, I don't have it. Mm -hmm. Um, Department of Education should have it. <laughs> Who knows if they actually do or not? Um, but I think I, I think whether you're talking about the Confucius Centers, um, mm -hmm. the uh, the Middle East Studies Centers, um, they're all they're all developing this propaganda not only for the kids but for the adults. Mm -hmm. um, this is this is they're trying to brainwash the adults. And if you look. Lori, at uh, at the great graduation, um, I, one of the things I like to do is to look at colleges and see how far back you have to go before you find really conservative students in those colleges. Uh -huh. Because a lot of the parents, I would say from 1990 on, um, are a lot more liberal in their mm -hmm. outlooks um, than people before 1990. Mm -hmm. 
which means that it's not only the kids who have this indoctrination problem, but their parents now are right. coming out of school and having kids of their own and thinking the same kind of indoctrination stuff that's uh, that's rampant now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so um, when you say that a lot of people are looking to to, um, you know, work with school boards and schools and, and whatever to, to get rid of a lot of this stuff. Um, there's too many parents now um, that are sympathetic to some right. of this, stuff, including mm-hmm. things like grooming or what I would call cross dressers in women's sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just just things that you, you know you have to sit and shake your head and say, why are we even talking about this kind of stuff? Well, it's because we've we've indoctrinated three, two. You know, I would even say three generations. And so we have parents, young parents who are having young children who actually buy into this mentality. Exactly. And so, I mean, that's that's very hard to break up. Yeah. And, and again, it, it's all been, been by design. I mean, you know, the more you can get the emerging generations to think this way, one, they hate America. Mm-hmm. Two, they hate Israel because we're the oppressors. Okay. Right. And and uh, and then when when the kids are state run and 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 get this material so early in life, think how easy it is to talk about their sexual identity and whether they should be thinking about uh, you know transing to um, to a different sex, or you know they should um, you know start thinking about. Um, uh, critical race theory as being mm-hmm. something true and 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 systemic and 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 uh, unavoidable. I mean, you know, they, they get into this certain um, confinement um, that the that the Marxists are basically saying this will make you free. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you recognize yeah. all of this is true, and it'll make you free. Yeah, your identity we know. and your, all this kind of stuff, and basically what it's doing, it's doing just the opposite. Yeah, yeah, it's not making them free at all. It's, it's locking them into a situation where if I'm ten years old, I should be thinking about whether I really should be a male or a female. Mm-hmm. How ridiculous is that? Or I should be sitting there and I should say, "Gee, my my best friend over there, Pete, is a, is a black guy, but I'm not supposed to." associate with him. So I have to go out and find people in my identity sector. It's this kind of stuff that forces this division, forces Mm -hmm. the collapse of the family because the family can't keep up with it. They don't see these kids every day for for six hours a day while they're supposedly working. It's the same lie as the Nazis. And we should not be surprised you know, the this slogan over the concentration camps when you enter that work will make you free. Well, you know, the gut, the only difference is it's the government that's going to make you free. And we should not be surprised by the recent Harvard, Harvard Harris poll where the I think it was over 60 percent of 18 to 24 year olds believe that Israel was to blame for the Hamas attack against innocent civilians, 
I mean, you have young people who are high school kids and elementary kids who are marching in the streets, you know, protesting Israel, um, you know, blaming the Jews for everything that is is happening to the, the Palestinians, that they are oppressing the Palestinians. You know, we shouldn't be surprised. This has all been, our children have been exposed to this garbage for all these years. Like I said, three generations. And now we have young parents who are having young children who have been educated in this, with this mentality and they actually believe this. And so they are teaching their kids these things, these values. And yes, it is. It's racist what they're teaching because they're accusing the white people of being the oppressors. But we don't want to talk about um, that kind of racism. So, no, I mean, Soros and his involvement with Antifa, what we saw happening in, you know, cities across this country. We have young people breaking into stores and offices and robbing um, uh, people, stealing, killing people in the streets. I mean, this is what America has come to because we have allowed our government, these, these groups like George Soros, like Bill Gates, to indoctrinate and peddle this garbage in this mindset about the oppressed and the oppressors. So we've got, you know, we've got a lot of, of work to do to turn this nation around, and it's not going to happen overnight it's going to take time but we have to we have to take back local control of our children and their education so robert you know as we're winding up this this podcast um what is it that you would like to communicate to our audience how can people get involved what what do you recommend that people do to start this process to take back control of our country and our our children. Well, let me let me make a, a comment and, and then um, and then give you my idea for a solution. Uh, the comment that I would make on what you just said um, is is this: if I can just get it straight in my head for a moment. Um, this this year, twenty twenty four, is going to be a very very difficult year. Mm-hmm. Um, the economy is going to get worse. Inflation is going to keep going. Um, the Democrats are going to, or I should say the globalists are going to try to do everything in their power to make Trump look bad. Um, they're going to, they're going to, I mean, the lies that are already coming out because he's won a couple of, uh, of, um, primaries is, is, is terrible. But here's, here's my view about this and, and what you've just talked about. People are are hopefully, and this goes back to the younger generation of parents and, and the like, hopefully um, they are going to learn through a lived experience. Um, you know, you can have you can have people up there on MSNBC telling you how wonderful Biden economics is and all this nonsense, but through the lived experience, they know that's not the case. Um, 
there's not a border crisis at all. We have it under control, blah, blah, blah. We know that's a lie. And the more the, more the reality of today impacts these individual people, the more I think you're going to see that they're going to awaken to the fact that this has been a, this has been a crock all along. The environment has been, this whole Green New Deal thing has just killed us, killed us economically. And, and there's one failure after another. And people are, are, have got to see for themselves that this is what, what's taking place. The border situation is a disaster. It's a disaster, but until it affects people like you see up in New York City now, nobody's going to change change much. But once they see it, and they're going to see it big time this year, um, I think there's going to be a turnaround, hopefully a big turnaround against the globalists and more to the nationalists. Um, and for that reason, I'm I'm kind of optimistic about what what may be laying ahead. Right, right. In, in, terms of, in terms of what I think we need to do, we're never going to beat um, these leftists and the communists and the Islamists money-wise. Um, you know, they're going to control the teachers' unions. They're going to control the superintendents. The school boards are a good, a good way to start and taking over as many of them as possible is a really great thing to do. That's where it needs to, needs to happen. But I think the parents need help. Um, I really do, because their kids are the ones that get indoctrinated. Um, and and it's, it's real difficult over a dinner table or something at night to try to straighten out that whole thing. And so what I'm, what I'm doing is I'm developing uh, a series of four books mm-hmm. that tackle all of the issues that our kids are being indoctrinated with now. Mm-hmm. And these books are written from the perspective of students. They're based mm-hmm. on actual experiences. They're, they're mm-hmm. based on actual facts. And, um, and I think the more we can get these books, they're, they're, they're short, 100 pages long, um, kids can read them. Um, and I really think that that's the way to get to these kids. They have to understand, but they have to understand from their perspective, um, what they're, what they're listening to, what right. they're hearing. And I think if we tell them the truth and get them to tell it from the perspective of kids, their age, which mm-hmm. is what these books are designed to do. Um, I think these kids can start seeing the truth mm-hmm. and and stand up to teachers and say, "Hey, this is a crock." Right. And and I and I really I really believe that the more we can distribute, the, I mean, I'm not looking for for money or whatever, but I am looking for promotion to get this these books out to as many kids as possible at mm-hmm. the cheapest possible price. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and hopefully they're, they're still reading. You know, I know they're addicted to these cell phones and, and everything else, but they really need to, to read these books to understand what's really going on. And the issues that I've tackled, mm-hmm. <laughs> critical race theory, transgenderism, um, DEI, um, uh, globalism, Islamism, mm-hmm. um, communism, all of these 
and, and really what the truth of them are all about from the kids' point of view. They right. do their own research and come up with this stuff, and, and it's amazing. And I think the more kids understand this, mm-hmm. uh, the more they can fight back at it. Mm-hmm. At least yeah, ask got- questions, at least think critically about it. Yeah, you've got a great point there. And I was talking to a teacher earlier today, and she said the, her approach to education, especially history and civics, is making the children think. You know, giving giving the kids like a, a photograph of a historic event and then having the kids write what they see or what they think is happening in the picture this is a strategy. It's a way of getting the kids to think critically that way and not just listen to what they're told and just recite back what has been communicated to them. So, you know, the other thing I wanted to just mention with your book is parents can sit down and they can read these books um, with their kids. They can do it at the dinner table. That was one of the things that we've always done with our kids. Of course, we homeschooled through the elementary years Um, into middle school, but we would sit down and we would read to the kids and then we'd have the kids have, you know, uh, tell us what they heard. What, what did they understand about what was being read to them, getting them to think for themselves? Because as you said, our kids are being indoctrinated and they're being told what to think and how to think, not giving them the opportunity from their own personal experience to communicate what they think they're reading. But have you seen in the very few examples that are out there where kids have stood up to teachers and questioned the teachers? I don't know if you've seen a number of these, but some of these kids are, you know, and I mean, I mean, we're talking 10, 12, 13 year old kids are standing up to the teachers and saying, Hey, I, I just don't see that. And the reaction from the teachers is quite phenomenal because they get very defensive. Uh, they start bullying the kids. And and um, so kids are afraid to, to speak up. But if you had a whole class full of kids who understood or who had read mm-hmm. the books I'm referring to, mm-hmm. uh, the teacher would be overwhelmed. Right. And it, and this approach shows how that can happen. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, all it takes is one child. It only takes one student to question what's being taught. And then it causes the other kids to think, huh, yeah, I kind of feel that way too. Exactly. To affirm them so that they don't feel like, because a lot of at, at this age, they're intimidated. You know, how are they going to take on their, how, how can they take on their teacher and what their teacher is, is telling them, you know, because they don't want to be embarrassed. Not only that, but if they want a decent grade, they have to parrot back what the teacher has been talking about, you know, so, so yeah. of course they're not going to question it or, or, or they're not going to counter it because they'll get an F you know, for their, for their yeah. speaking out. Yeah. So exactly uh, I, right. I really think we need to get, these kids involved, not just yeah. the parents, but the kids. So how did the, how can our audience get a hold of the books? Work in a, is there a website they can go to where they can order them? What we're doing now is um, um, I've got three that are, uh, that are currently being published. We're going to, we're going to uh, do this as a series. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called empowering young adults. 
Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and it's going to go through four different books. One mm-hmm. is going to have um, critical race theory and DEI and, and, and all of that, uh, transgenderism and the like. Mm-hmm. The next one is going to be uh, globalism, Islamism, communism. Um, the, uh, the next one is going to be what to expect in college. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, um, um, the, 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 the title of the book that we're working on right now is, is should an old, an old man should not go to college. And then mm-hmm. the question is, should anybody? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and then fourthly, we're gonna, I'm going to do something on, uh, um, on building a business from uh, um, uh, kids who are straight out of, out of college and mm-hmm. what they went into, what problems um, exist for them and, and the like. But I think if we cover the economy, the cultural issues, the, mm-hmm. uh, the isms issues, um, right. And, and the college and what to expect in college. I think that's a good set of books. They're all going to be available by March. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I, I'd really appreciate it if you could help me promote uh, promote these books once they're they're done. Yeah, absolutely. We would be delighted to do that. Ladies and gentlemen, um, I hope you found the um, the interview today with Robert informative and hopeful. Because it does seem like we have a daunting task ahead to try to um, take back three generations of of individuals, children, is just seems overwhelming. But it can be done. And we just have to get back to some basics. And I think what Robert has presented to us and the books that he is going to be publishing for us are going to be a great tool that we can have in our arsenal with our children. The most important thing that parents can do is read to their children. It's an, it's a pastime that has been handed down from generation to generation where, you know, Bible or the Bible was read to kids. Great literature was read to, to whole families. They would sit around and listen to the story being being read. And there's something that happens when we do that with our kids. It helps to develop that creativity in their mind because when they're listening to a story being read, they have to imagine, they have to use their imagination um, about the images that they're hearing about on the pages of the book. So this is so critically important. But Robert, I, I want to thank you so much for coming back on the program and and sharing this information with us so that we understand the complexity of the issues that we are facing and how we can, ladies and gentlemen, take back our our republic, take back our children and their education, take back the school board that is is indoctrinating our children with this this propaganda, with this garbage that's destroying their future and the the future of the United States. So I hope that you all will, if you're listening to this program and you, this is the first time you're hearing our podcast, I hope that you will um, sign up to, um, to get on the podcast, to listen to the podcast each week, share this podcast with your family, family and friends. And of course, it's going to be on our website. You can find it there. Um, there'll be other, there'll be other platforms where you can share this podcast as well. So Please like and share it. And um, we're going to, you know, as PJTM Watchmen, 
we do have a biblical mandate to stand against these, this ungodly rising Nazi threat that is happening, um, that's destroying our nation and our our children's future, threatening the very Judeo-Christian values that our nation was founded upon. But we can't remain silent. God reminded the, the prophet Ezekiel about the responsibility of the watchman. And it, it is the duty of the watchman when the watchman sees the enemy advancing to alert the people in the city, to warn them so that they will be prepared. They will be able to withstand the enemy that is coming. That's what we're doing as watchmen. We are standing against the onslaught that is coming against our children that's destroying their future. And the only way we're going to fight this battle, ladies and gentlemen, and succeed is if we, the people, get engaged in the, ba- in the battle. Dietrich Bonhoeffer reminded us that silence in the face of evil is itself evil. God will not hold us guiltless. Not to speak is to speak, not to act is to act. Don't forget to join us for next week's podcast as we continue this conversation about combating the rise of anti-Semitism and taking back local control of our communities and our children's education. I want to also remind you that if you've not signed up to become a watchman, you can help support this mission through our award-winning documentaries and Focus on Israel programs, as well as more programs just like this podcast for just $20 a month. So go to our website at pjtn.org to watch our programs and listen to our past podcasts. With your generous monthly donation, you can ensure that PJTN remains on the front lines and in the headlines, but we can't do it without your faithful prayers and financial support. I hope that you will prayerfully consider supporting our mission as we educate to activate Jews, Christians, and all people of conscience to stand on the front lines of this all-encompassing war. God bless you, and thank you for all you do on behalf of our Jewish brethren, the State of Israel, and these United States. Thank you again for joining me on this edition of Proclaiming Justice. Please share this podcast with your family and friends. For more information about how you can get involved, please visit our website at pjtn.org. As a PJTN watchman, you can help us keep up the fight to preserve our freedom for our children and their children for such a time as this.